and welcome back to the 126 pod this episode we will be interviewing javon who might be the the best bishop male athlete in the 90s that that wasn't that wasn't part of the intro (laughs) which is your own thing that you're working on (laughs) yeah does, 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 he went there for two years. You only went there for two years. Does it even count? Yeah, but but those two years, I Ooh. mean, I did a lot of good things at Bishop Lures in those two no, years. No, we, we know you did, but I thought we that disqualified. Not that we've talked about the best athlete from the 90s. It's not definitely not me, but we're going to throw Javon in there for the, the 90s, best player yeah. of the 90s guy. Hey, those two years, I did pretty good. When did you come over? Was it 98? Yeah, 98. So you, so your, your, uh, so your that senior class would have been, would have been like Thomas Hammock and Jordan Geely and those guys. Oh, year after, you after them guys. Okay. I came my junior year. That was that 98-99 season. Okay. And then the 2000s season uh, was my senior year. Yeah. So you're in. You're my brother Joe's class. I think. I believe so. And so you're with Kyle Spencer Lido. No. All those guys are after me. Okay. Yep. Man, so you're in the middle there. So you you came over what you came over when they most needed it is when you came over is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, we appreciate you joining us, man. We, as you know, we've we've uh, I was just telling giving you some background on the pod. We've uh, we have been doing this for about a year, and we've want to talk to just people like yourself about what you do and how you do it. Because I mean, we know a lot of a lot of people don't know what you do we know what your profession is per se but we don't know what you do day in and day out so i'd love just to talk you know hoops and and football and what you do for a living and all that kind of stuff but like going back to the the best athlete in the in the 90 we were just catching up a second ago we were talking about when we first met which is back at foster park little league how long did you play did you play baseball when did you shut it down you know what i wish i wouldn't have shut it shut it down uh I quit my freshman year in high school at Southside. You know, I was going to practice every day. Um, but I was also playing AAU basketball. Yeah. And, I, you know, I had a couple scholarship offers in basketball at the time. Yeah, you were they good. Were small school. Uh, and, you know, the baseball coach was like, well, you can't miss baseball practice, you know, for AAU basketball. And I was like, well, I'm a pretty good, good basketball player. I mean, I – I, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do what I want to do with that. And I mean, it, it, arguing with me at 15, 16 years old. Um, yeah, same here. That, that wasn't going to fly. And I, I wish I would have. I wish I would have had a cooler head back then. But I quit baseball my freshman year in high school. Man, I wish I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, I was going to say, are we sure Javon played the right sport? Because I mean, we got a six four. You throw a left handed too. Yeah, I was left-handed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we got a six-four lefty that could have that could have really reached on the mound, center field. I mean, first base, they could have used you. And you know what? I was actually decent. You know, uh, my dad had a couple scouts look at me. Um, you know, for a little bit, and you know, they they said, "Hey, you probably should continue to play." But I mean, I had a lot of success early in basketball. Yeah, football success came a little later. Um, you know, more towards my junior year. Uh, and I just, you know, baseball kind of just um, just dropped. Uh, yeah, it's just one, it's just not as fun as the other two sports, probably. And uh, and that obviously you were you were geared t- more towards those as you played big time football and 
got to the NFL and that. But what we wanted to talk about today, though, man, is like when we first reached out to you, I think it was around the NFL draft time. And we'll get to some of like what your year looks like. So I know it's definitely not an eight to five uh, job. That's that's for sure. But we were doing some research on just, you know, what you do in, in the in the company. So independent sports and entertainment. Over one billion in active contracts, 110 plus clients. I'm sure that number, you know, keeps growing every single day. The firm has guys like Justin Verlander, Miguel Cabrera, our guy Alan Robinson, Leonard. I mean, just you know. So, can you give us a background? I mean, and we a lot of us know the story. And Jackson read the article. Being a Fort Wayne guy, we know the story of your dad and Eugene and what they did together and how they how they built the company. But can you give us just a, for your from where you started? When you got into the business, I know you grew up in it, but when you got into it and uh, what you were doing maybe before that, 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 and when you made the change? Yeah, um, I pretty much, like you said, I grew up in it. Um, I watched my dad do it ever since I could remember. Uh, you know, after he got done playing, he got into the business. Um, and I was a Fort Wayne Community School administrator um, after I got done playing in the NFL and bouncing around the Canadian and, and, um, yeah. In the league, and I, I went into the school system. I was a, I was a high school coach. Uh, I was a, a Fort Wayne Community School administrator for a number of years, and uh, I just felt like that I needed to get back in sports in some capacity. So my father said, "Hey, man, you need to go back to school um, and really continue to learn about what we do because uh, I think you can be really good at uh, being a sports agent." So you know, I went back to school. Um, you know, got my MBA and uh, I got certified in 2013, but I was okay. doing stuff behind the scenes pretty much um, my whole t- entire adult life, you know, just helping out with stats and, and numbers yeah. with Gene and, and uh, my pop. And um, man, those first couple of years were rough, you know, recruiting uh, because, you know, I didn't have any clients. So, I mean, it was, it was uh, yeah. tough getting, to get into those, um, you know, living room floors and talking about what you could do when you haven't done anything. Um, and I was just basically saying what I thought my dad Eugene would say. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, so th- those those first few years were pretty tough. Can you tell what's the difference, or how different is the conversation of you being in the living room, trying to convince a family and, and a player to sign with you and your in your company? Versus you in the living room chair and somebody trying to convince you to go to their school or to sign where they're coming. What, what was it like being on the reverse side of that, especially when you were first getting started in the business? How different was it? It really wasn't that different. You know, um, recruiting is recruiting. Um, yeah. You're getting recruited by a power five school or you're getting recruited by, you know, a sports agent like myself. You know, you want to connect with uh, the people that you're going to be working with for uh, foreseeable future. You want to make sure that they're going to be added value. You want to make sure that, um, you know, that they're going to put you in a better position than you are currently today. And that's why I try to, um, you know, push, you know, to the families and uh, to the to the individual client. You know, I want to be an added value. I want to be an educator. I want to be a life enhancer. Uh, and what I try to do is not um, not really present a lot of the BS. Sorry for, yeah. uh, oh, you got your son there. So that's We're good. I'm, We're good, buddy. <laughs> but, 
I don't want to give a false sense of reality to these kids' families. And our industry, and even in, in college athletics in some, in some areas, there is a false sense of reality that is uh, being presented. And I try to push back on that and really tell people what they're really going to go through and how to be educated and empowered through this whole process. So can you tell me about the process? When are you allowed to first like engage with a prospective client? Well, I can talk to a prospective client, um, you know, a collegiate athlete uh, anytime I want to. Uh, it's not against the NCAA rules. Uh, I can talk to them. Now, there's, there's school rules that uh, they put out there that kind of discourage us from talking to the players, but it's not against NCAA rules. It's the individual school rules. You know, they say don't talk to them during the season and all that. Um, and, you know, they just want the kids to focus on uh, the season. Uh, but I can talk to them. Um, and and as, as early as, you know, as, as soon as they walk through those college doors their freshman year. And now with the NIL rules, yeah. uh, you know, I can represent those individuals right when they step into those college doors. So you, you jumped ahead to another question we had on the NIL, uh, name, image, and likeness stuff. So I think like the only it's obviously so new. I think the only certainty is it is absolutely going to change the game for all of college and amateur athletics. So to the, to what you just said there, like how does, how has your approach changed with, with it? And like you said, once they step on campus or they, you know, determine if they're going to try to go in some sort of professional route or there's whether it's marketing or other like other areas to go there, like how does your approach change and how quickly have you guys had to pivot to, okay, here's how we need to represent our prospective clients in their best interest to put money in their pockets so they can make dollars off of their good name, their likeness, what they're doing and, uh, and, and help themselves and their families. Oh man, NIL changed our whole world. Um, you have to start recruiting a lot of these top prospects, um, you know, pretty much, their freshman year in college, even in high school. Yeah. Um, you know, in football, uh, you can't become a professional well, NFL player uh, until three years after your senior year in high school. So you had to be at least a registered sophomore or junior uh, before you can declare pro. Well, with this NIL, uh, you know, new roller coaster ride that we have to get on. Um, you know, it changes things because if you want to get the top prospects now, you know, the, the, the road to get there and get them is to represent them through the name, image, and likeness. And you can do that right away? Like, they, there's not like a – you can go in and say, hey, I'm, I'm your person for this. Are they then allowed to – do they have to, quote, unquote, re-sign with you as they then deter – like, or hiring or looking for an agent for their NFL draft career or the NFL draft? For the NFL draft? Okay. So it's a, yeah, it's a different set of process. You, you cannot sign a contract with a, with a, a student athlete um, that uh, extends after their uh, collegiate career uh, if you're doing anything with NIL. That's against the rules, gets all the school rules and state rules uh, that are out there. You know, so uh, it's only for uh, their collegiate uh, uh, Gotcha. Okay. Um, and so 
Yeah, that, this is just going to be wild. How the, well, I just saw the Ohio State quarterback or the signed a one point four million dollar deal. Yeah, <laughs> I would like to see the terms of that deal because see, <laughs> you know a lot of a lot of guys are signing these deals, and again, there's there's money to be made out there. Sure, and and I believe the name, image, and likeness uh, conversation is going to bring about a lot of incompetent people in our space. There's going to be a lot of bad actors. There's going to yeah. be a lot of crooks. I mean, there's a lot of crooks, bad actors, and crazy and confident people in our space anyway. But it's just going to it's going to put more of those people in our space. And kids are going to be signing things. I don't think they necessarily should be signing. Now, in that particular case, you know, no one knows. You got to see the terms. You got to see, yeah. you know, the, um, the you know, you got to see the guts of that contract. But I. What I'm seeing is a lot of these guys are signing these smaller deals and they're leaving money on the table because they'll sign a deal. I'm just going to say, for example, they're signing a, um, a, a, a memorabilia deal uh, for like $2 a signature, right? But when you do the research on where they are in the market and how much they really should be earning, you know, it could be 8 to $10 a signature. But the card... Um, you know, the, the car companies, they're saying, well, these kids are just trying to trying to get anything that, that, that comes their way so we can lowball them now and then we can flood the market with this low number. You know, then when they become pro, they said, and you know, you want to redo a yeah. deal. They said, well, we got, we got you for $2 for two, three years. You know, we can still mess you up, you know, when you're a professional athlete and still lowball you now too. You know, and I, I see a lot of that going on, and that's because a lot of people are uneducated about yeah. this whole process. It's so new. Everybody's just trying to get any dollar they can, but not all money is good money. And you yeah. gotta make the right decisions and, and and make sure you sign the right deal. Do you think that? I mean, I've seen some of it out there in, in Twitter and other areas. Do you think that people in the past, like Reggie Bush, like uh, uh, I think it was his first name prior, the quarterback for Ohio State with the the golden pants thing, whatever. Like so, yeah. Tom, yeah so do you think you think I'm um, there's a there's fifty there's a hundred other cases like that where people got in trouble by the NCA, lost, you know, it, it hurt their draft stock, which there hurt their dollars, hurt their careers, all that type of thing. Do you think there's any recourse by them or the NCA to? I mean, you you can't go back and pay people dollars for hey you would earn this. That's not gonna happen, but terms of just maybe records or, or or things of that nature, I think there's any restoring of that from the NCAA or the schools for things that happened in the past? Uh, I don't think so. I think, in, I mean, you never know, but I just don't think the NCAA or uh, nor the schools uh, will go back and try to rewrite hit, uh, rewrite all that. Yeah. Uh, I've, what I've known about the schools and my time doing this is um, – you know, hey, they got big egos and they're prideful too. Uh, you know, and when they say they're going to do something, I mean, they usually stick to it. And yeah. now the only reason why uh, this NIL conversation um, uh, is here is because, you know, they got pressured by the courts. You yeah. know, I mean, this was just a, they were pressured that they were going to get hit hard by the court. So that's why, you know, hey, we're just going to. We're given. 
just yeah. basically throw our hands up with this whole NIL discussion and just say, well, we'll just see what happens, you know. Um, but I just don't see them uh, reversing all that yeah. uh, in the future. I just I don't see it. I think it'll be interesting, and it's it's so early as we just talked about. I don't I want to jump on a few other things, but it's like if I'm if I own a car dealership or or whatever, and I'm gonna go get the whole you know backfield from uh, LSU or Texas or Ohio State or whoever, and you can go do that. But it's also like you know I don't know. It just it just seems like it just seems like they could be they could get a quick buck. But they could also be dropped entirely if they someone gets hurt or like. There's just a lot of there's well, a lot of gray area there, man. Well, it turns college athletics into really a, a professional league. You know, um, I, I, I I see in the near future a lot of transfers, especially from the small mid-major superstars. You know, you blow up at a small school or a mid-major school. And, uh, you know, let, let's say you got a, a great wide receiver at Ball State, breaks all kind of records. Well, in a few months, you know, a team from a power five school can say, hey, you're not making money uh, with NIL uh, at, at Ball State. I yeah. mean, months again, and you need to come to school X, you know, so you can make money um, and you can help us win and you can get more exposure. I mean, you're going to see a lot of that. Yeah. You're going to see a lot of, I, I can foresee holdouts in the, in the near future. Yeah. Uh, you know, because kid gets promised X. Because he went, he, he went to school X, uh, and you know something happens and he doesn't get it. And he's like, "Well, I'm, I'm just gonna sit out until I get." And if he's and if he's talented, if especially if it's a, uh, like an offensive lineman, quarterback, like one of those positions where you just can't, you know, it could just disrupt the whole team. You know, he 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 has some power now. Yeah, you know, so um, it, it, it there's going to be some some changes that people are going to have to get used to. So, what is the future of the NCAA? And uh, you know, it's going. In my opinion, it can go a couple different ways, but I think um, what I see, and again, it's just my opinion, it's just going to turn to. Uh, a true minor league uh, for the NFL. I think, especially for the power fives, I think the power fives are going to separate themselves completely from all the other NCAA schools. And it's going to be the power five minor league pool and then everybody else. Because the money is just going to, it's going to be the haves and the have-nots. The have-nots can't compete. Um, especially if you're a have not in a small town, uh, you, you just can't compete. You can't compete with a Miami, you know, yeah. big city, power five school. They can offer uh, a, a fun life, money off the field, uh, and and other things that kids like. Uh, you just can't you can't compete, you know. So I, I think that's going to be uh, what we're going to see in the near future. All right, so switching back, switching gears here, because um, I got I think the NIL thing's fascinating. I could spend like the whole evening just talking about that, but I want to get into some of the things that, that like you do and just that I have about the tactical moves that you guys make. So before, as you're as you are, uh, you know, looking at 
you know, prospective clients, do you, how do you like distinguish between, you know, that uh, let's just say yourself back in the day. So Jovan's father is an agent. All right. So another ag- agency X is not going to try to sign Jovan because he's signing with his father. I'm sure there's other, like where somebody's friend, family member, relative, neighbor, whatever has similar type relationships, maybe with other things. How do you break down like the prospects that are a good fit for you and like the values and the mission of your organization versus just saying, okay, well, here's the top, here's Mel Kuyper's top hundred list. Let's just go after all of them and see what I know. I know it's not like that, but can you tell us how you determine who you think would be a good fit to, to work, to partner with you? Well, um, you obviously want to get top talent. I mean, as yeah. you, you survive in this business by um, working with top talent, you know, so that's, that's paramount. And, you know, I'm, I'm going after top talent. Right, right away, right off the bat. Like just yeah, right off the bat, you're going out after top talent, yeah. but sometimes you meet with top talent and you discover that it isn't a good fit, you know, because what we present and what we provide is different from others. You know, some people want the dessert before the meal. Uh, some people uh, want to be pretty much uh, catered to. And um, that's not myself. That's not my father. That's not how I was taught or raised in, in this business. And uh, I'm as an educator, sometimes you have to tell your client, who is the boss, but you're paying me for my expertise and for my knowledge in this business. You have to tell that individual no, and you have to tell that individual, you know, what they don't want to hear. You have to be realistic with that individual because you have to be that shining light, that guide. And sometimes that shining light, you know, uh, you know, what you see that's illuminated is, man, you know, I got to do something I really don't want to do. It's not real fun, but I have to do it to get to my main goal. And um, there's a lot of kids. These young kids, they just don't understand that. You know, we live in a microwave society and I'm not going to be that guy that's gonna um, you know, really be a yes man. You know, so, yeah. so you see that uh, the guys who, who connect with us want to be educated. They want to have a pretty much kind of like a, it's a family atmosphere here. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they want that family connection. Uh, and, um, you know, hey, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, whoever signs with us, uh, I know they're they're better off for. We, we, you said that comment about the dessert before the meal. You, you were quoted that in that athletic article a couple of months ago, which was a really good profile of you and you and dad and the work that you guys do. How, what percentage of the, the guys and families that you talk to? would you say that that applies to in terms of just an unrealistic expectation for where they are and what, and when, where they are, of course, not asking to name names, but in terms of just kind of where they think they are and what the dollars they think they deserve. Well, I'll say this, it's, it's, it's a majority. I think, I think there's a majority of individuals in our space um, who have unrealistic expectations about what this really is and what, they quote unquote deserve in this process. And our industry has turned into, uh, a, you know, these agencies collecting bodies instead of em- empowering these individuals and making sure these guys are better. And 
the body collection, I mean, it can come, you know, with, you know, people, you know, paying money on the table and hooking up, you know, friends, family, yeah. whatever, with things. And then, you know, they sign with them or whatever, or they'll lie to them and present a false uh, world, a false reality to this individual. And then, you know, they, they get them and they collect the body. You know, so um, it's sad that it, it that our industry has turned into that. Um, but, you know, it's just something that we got to fight through, you know. Uh, but it is, I, I, I'll say, and again, it, it's sad that I have to say this, but, you know, more times than not, you know, ah. you see some of that. You see that, oh, um, I know I haven't played a down professionally, but I deserve X. Y and Z. Yeah. Said, well, okay. Uh, but you're hiring me to make sure that your contract is structured right, that you're being prepared to be a pro. You know, I, I'm my, I'm advising you to what you need to do to be a, a great professional. I mean, that's that's why you're hiring me. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. And that, they don't get that message. Okay. What? Um, oh, sorry. Keep going. No, I'm, I'm good. So I was going to say, so what percentage, so the, unfortunately it's more than half. How many of the, does it like, does like a new, let's just call it a first round draft pick for, from last year's draft. Does that person have a publicist? Do they have a, a manager in addition to the, the, the work that you do? Do they have a PR person? Do they have do they, like, do these first round 22, 23, 21 year old young men, have already have these people on the on on the payroll or is it is it just a hey this is somebody i trust a friend that does this work for me or what's the, the, how many how many people have these types of people around them well for the most part uh those individuals have a publicist a pr person already work with them uh, most firms most uh sports agencies like ourselves you know we have an in-house publicist. you got that uh, concierge person, in-house management. I mean, all that's in-house. Uh, now, what you are seeing, uh, you've seen this um, really kind of balloon uh, over the past couple of years. You know, a lot of players outsource a lot of that stuff. You know, they get different individuals. And, and then sometimes you do get that, oh, man, this is my homeboy for 20 years. He's going to be my manager. And, you know, in, in some cases, uh, I mean, it's a good relationship, but there's a lot of cases, you know, where these individuals don't know what they're doing. And then, you know, you got too many people um, with ideas about what the individual should be doing. And then um, it, it's a lot of confusion. And next thing you know, uh, the client suffers, you know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you are seeing a lot of that. Mm. You had a question, Jack, about the combine and the draft process. Yeah. So how do you prepare your athletes for the combine? Oh, man, that's my favorite part of the whole process. I mean, I I love uh, the pre-draft preparation. You know, what we try to do is uh, we get our guys at uh, some of these premier facilities, you know, mostly down south in Florida. We got some in Texas and California. Uh, the majority of guys uh, train in Tampa or in Miami. Okay. And uh, what we do, we make sure 
you know, they have housing, we make sure they have transportation, we make sure that they're fed right, we make sure they got the right supplements. I mean, um, uh, the, um, you know, uh, massages, I mean, it's, you name it, we make Everything. sure taken care of. We also um, make sure that they're, they're really honing in on their skills. I mean, we have X. NFL players working with them, uh, if it's a wide receiver with routes, if it's a defensive lineman uh, with Ezra uh, or coaches or ex-coaches working with them. You know, we got speed training. We got, um, you know, weight training. We also have interview training, you know, because the interview process is, is one of the uh, sure. most important uh, parts. There's a big piece of the puzzle on uh, where you get drafted. You know, so we have ex-GMs and, um, you know, our marketing PR people work with our guys, you know, so when they have that interview or when they have that microphone right in front of them, you know, they know what to say and they know how to approach it. You know, so it's a it's a big piece of the puzzle. It's an important piece of the puzzle um, in the overall process of uh, being a great player. Uh, that that draft preparation, man, is, uh, is fun. Um, it's never a dull moment. Uh, and, um, you know, hey, it's, it's an awesome time. How, how much does it – you like to share how much it costs to all of those – because you named a lot of different people from, you know, just, you know, getting ready to work out, the post-therapy, the uh, interview prep, the all the above. How much does it cost to hire and pay for to, – to prepare a first-round draft pick for the NFL uh, draft combine? You know what? Um, I can, I'll give you, I'm not going to give you exact numbers, but I'll say this. Um, it's in the tens of thousands. I'll tell you that for each individual player, you know? Wow. Yeah. So you do the math on that, you know, uh, that's a lot of money that you're investing. Yeah. And we, you know, our company, um, you know, like many others, uh, you know, we invest that into the player because we want to make sure that, uh, the player is at the best of his uh, ability at the peak of his powers uh, going into that uh, combine or that pro day because uh, it's the most important interview that they're going to have in their life. You know, so uh, we want to make sure they're straight. Are you there all week then in Indy? Just camped out? Just, yeah. just camped locked out. in? Yeah, camped out. I'm, I'm pretty much living in Indy during combine week. And a lot of people don't know and this is some inside information that a lot of the free agent deals, almost all of them are either being started or um, sometimes even, well, I'm not going to say, I'll just say this, the, the ball gets rolling in free agency at the combine. Uh, you know, you're talking to teams, you know, uh, over a drink or whatever. And um you know, hey, you might have a conversation that might lead to something in the future, you know. So I'm choosing my words carefully. Yeah, I hear you. So you're at Elmo's having a shrimp cocktail, having a having a real cocktail, and you could just say, hey, this guy over here is, you know, really getting it done. He may be someone to keep your eyes on afterwards. Yeah, that, yeah. That could happen. Something, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. You have, you have some great conversations during the combine. That's wild. So, so can you tell us about like the, the calendar? I know we, we're running short on time here. Can you tell us about like the calendar? Cause I realize 
you don't work an eight to five job and uh, you know, the normal thing, like not that uh, anybody expects that, but so you think about this, the calendar year, right? So it starts with, you know, the, let's just start with after the college season, right? There's the, what you just mentioned, getting guys ready for the combine, preparing them for the interview, yeah. the draft, all that, the NFL draft, and then becomes the, you know, like what we're just kind of went through over the last two, three months. And you went through it yourself as a player and then the season starts. And so what is, what is that like for you as an agent during that? You just mentioned that you just got off the phone with teams as it's cut day to day, which could be a really great day or a tough day for some people, you know, then it goes like, is it just nonstop? And is there, is there, is the draft busier than the combine is the, is the playoffs, you know, when you have clients that are in, in the, you know, the final, you know, the conference championship and that, is it busier than this or that, or just tell them about like this, the, the, the calendar year for someone in your profession. Well, um, really, football never stops. A lot of people yeah. realize that football is really all. I mean, there's a television network that runs 24-7, 365, dedicated to it. I mean, life. I mean, football is all year round. And, and some of the busy times, I mean, obviously the draft is, I mean, it takes your whole soul pretty much. Um, it, it some, some days I just felt like, like I couldn't give anything else during that day because you got to make sure you're taking care of a newborn you know yeah. i always equate my father and i always equate you know the draft and really a rookie like a newborn i mean because newborns they can't feed themselves they can't uh you know they can't drive they can't can't do really anything for themselves you know you got to make sure that everything's taken care of you know that's how we do things you know so that pre-draft process i mean man we're really hands-on uh, another busy time is free agency because free agency, you want to make sure that um, your, your clients are in the right spot. Uh, that's usually, you know, during that March time, man, um, man, that, that is, um, that's, that's a really busy time. You're on the phone with teams, you know, you're on your phone with your clients and trying to make sure it's the right fit. Uh, and, um, you know, man, that's an intense time. You know, and, it can, and you can really uh, feel good during free agency. And then you can feel, um, you know, there, there's times where you feel empty, man, when the market isn't real hot, you know, for you guys. You know, so, um, you know, during the season, you know, that August, uh, September uh, through uh, December uh, period, the regular season, uh, you know, you're seeing your guys, but you're also recruiting. You know, uh, recruiting, college recruiting is year round, you know, but, you know, I, I tried to go and, and watch the games and see the, uh, see the uh, college prospects myself, uh, you know, rap with them after the game and, and just, just tell them, you know, hey, um, you know, I really want to support you. I really want to be a part of your process uh, and, and let them know that, you know, I want to be there. Um, so it's, it's a year round thing, man. I'm, I'm probably, on the road, and I was telling this to a couple other of my uh, colleagues, I was like, man, I've been on the road. And it's 365 days I've been on the road for about 190 to about 200 of them. Jeez. You know, Holy yes, God. I've been on the road a lot. Um, so do you go to more NFL games or college games? Hmm. Probably college. And the reason why is because it's recruiting. You know, um, 
I'm a real hands-on guy, especially uh, if I, 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 I'm I'm pursuing the prospects. So uh, I go to a lot of college games, um, and I like seeing the kids in person. Uh, I, I think that's more uh, genuine than a phone call and saying, "Oh yeah, I watched the game when he is playing." I actually want to be there, kind of want to feel the atmosphere, and uh, really engage uh, with the potential client. So if you had to guess a percentage of players that you represent, were they multi-sport athletes in high school? Oh, uh, probably 99% of the guys we represent were multi-sport athletes. And, and really, I, I teach uh, or mentor kids all the time. And I tell them, you know, if you want to be a professional athlete, you know, you, you don't just want to put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, you know, you need to be playing basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, lacrosse, uh, you name it, swimming, uh, even martial arts, something, you know, because all those other sports, um, you know, it teaches you how to be great at the sport that you're really trying to pursue. Like, for example, if you're a defensive lineman and you have a wrestling or martial arts background, oh, man, you're going to be great. You know, because with martial arts, you really use your hands. And uh, to be a great defense lineman, you got to have, you know, great hands. Um, you know, obviously wrestling, it, it, it challenges your, your overall strength, but your core strength and, and, and getting out of bad situations in the trenches. I mean, there's just so many things that you can learn from these other sports um, that you can bring to the football field, man. Um, and it just makes you overall better player. So, who is a sweeper that I could? This is, I, this is coming from a fantasy football guy. This is I guarantee this is where this is coming from here. So, <laughs> who is a sleeper that I should watch out for this year that could have a breakout year? Well, I wouldn't call him a sleeper, and I'm biased. I'm gonna use one of my clients. Yeah, that, that's what we want, man. Yeah, I'm going to use – yeah, because I'm not going to promote anybody else's guy. But I'll say this. Uh, Henry Ruggs is going to have a great year. Yeah, 12th pick last year? Oh, yeah. Everybody's talking about all these other receivers and all these other young receivers and, you know, former rookie receivers from last year's class. And, you know, I've been watching and reading, um, just absorbing a lot of stuff that's, that's out there. And they haven't been talking about my guy a whole bunch, which is okay. Yeah, but he's gonna have a breakout year, and I'm predicting it. I've been telling I tell them this all the time. I say, hey, don't worry about what the outside noise is telling you. You know you're great. Just put in the work, man. I mean, no one can stop you, and he's gonna have a great, great season. That's awesome. We can't wait to see it. the other one. That my our other son Henry. He's he's ten today. He he's a big Patriots fan. So he's big on uh, Nelson. He, he's like, he, right? He, I don't know when your draft was, like two weeks ago, maybe or something, three weeks yeah. ago. And he had Nelson, like in the er, like the third or fourth round. He was like his number one receiver off the board. He, he was big. He's like, this is my guy this year. And so he's big on Aguilar having a, a big year for him. So if he were in the room, he he would have interrupted all of us and, and chilled Nelly, Nelson to have a big uh, big year. Well, I'll say this about Nelly. Um... He had a great year last year with, yeah, he uh, did. with they threw him the deep ball. And I know uh, they're they're riding out with Matt Jones. Um, 
with the Patriots. And I t- if if Matt trusts Nelly on those deep balls and just throws it up to him, yeah, Matt's going to have a great season. Nelly's going to have a great season too. I don't see, you know, with that offense, uh, the outside receiver doesn't catch. They did, don't. They don't have a lot of catch volume. They don't have a lot of catches. Yeah. But that outside receiver in that offense can uh, catch a lot of touchdowns, and and he could probably average a good 19, 20 yards of catch in that offense if they. Yeah. If they play. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, we're we're running. Like, we took a lot more time than what we said. So just we got one more question. Jackson's got one more thing he wanted to ask you here. So. Javon, I realize I'm just a few years away from calling you to represent me, but what advice would you give someone like myself who is in their first year of junior high football? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, Make sure that you continue to learn about the game. I think that element is kind of like fading away from some of these young athletes. You know, a lot of these young athletes are relying on their athletic ability and strength, but you, like all great ones, um, you, you really have to hone in on your smarts, man. I mean, you have to continue to learn, not only about your position, learn about, you know, if you play offense, learn about the entire offense, learn about the, the, the offensive scheme, you know, like, for example, if you're playing wide receiver and um, you have uh, a high-low crossing route and, you know, you got a, a, a clear route on the other side, why did the coach call that? What coverages does that high-low um, route pattern, you know, what coverages that does that exploit? You need to know that answer. I know that answer because I've been around the game, you know, pretty much majority of my life. You know, but you need to know that answer because if you know that answer and if you continue to ask yourself questions and continue to, to get those questions answered, that makes you into a smart player. And smart players who have athletic ability, they become great players. You know, so that's my advice to you. Never stop learning about the game. And you can see that all the way up to pros. There's a lot of guys with a lot of athletic ability, but the guys who don't continue to learn you know, like on cut day, there's a lot of guys that get cut because teams can't depend on them. You know, they make mental errors and they're not growing as a player. Um, so that's my advice. Good stuff. Hey, we really appreciate you joining us, man. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. And if we could, I could probably take this all into the late night, just about just all the stuff. We didn't even get to Fort Wayne sports, which I had a, a, like a ton of stuff to catch up on that. Um, but this was great, man. We appreciate your time. I know it's a really busy time of the year. It's a really busy day. So uh, thank you very much. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on here shortly. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. And uh, you guys can call me anytime. Uh, and Hey, I'm telling you, man, your dad, the dad was very scary as, as you know, I was a nine-year-old and um, I was sc- very scared of his fastball. I don't know if he still has his fastball uh, now, but about 31 years ago, I mean, it was very scary. <laughs> <laughs> Over the hill now, man. I'm on the other side of 40 and uh, those days are, I'm just throwing BP to, you know, nine, 10, 11, 12-year-olds now, man. That's, that's all I got left in the tank, buddy. <laughs> All right, buddy. I appreciate it, Javon. All right, you guys have a good one. All right, thanks again.